Today on Hardwired. Three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of who? Read it with me. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. There's the satanic trinity. The devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet. That's the satanic trinity that will cast its spell on last day's planet Earth. Welcome to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Whether you find yourself in a good place, maybe in a difficult place, or possibly even in a very lonely place, let me encourage you that you've come to the right place. Now, if you're not able to stick around with us for all of today's program, you can always listen to it at our website, hardwired.org. You may have been listening to the program for a while or possibly just tuned in. Well, I want you to know that we do this for you. With a world that is searching and coming up empty, It's nice to know you can land on this message of hope and truth, something we all need to hear. So let's jump right in with today's program. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up in today's edition of Hardwired. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, today we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation once again as we go through the entire book. I've really enjoyed teaching it. I know you've enjoyed hearing it. We're getting really, really strong feedback on this series. And this time, we're going to be looking at the seven bowls of wrath that are poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. I know this is not exciting to hear. It's very difficult to hear because these are very, very tough times that are going to be coming upon a Christ-rejecting, godless planet of people who just want nothing to do with God at all. And as we so often say on this program, not only does grace come by God, but also judgment. And that's what the book of Revelation is all about. 21 judgments being poured out on a Christ-rejecting world. And after that, a brand new world is coming. So I can't wait to share part two of the message, The Seven Bowls. Let's jump right in. A lot of the Bible is about God's judgment. Right? He's a God who judges because he's a God who's holy. Not only a God of love, a God of holiness. Because he's a God of holiness, he's a God of justice. So, chapter 15, the Apostle John's eyes are turned once again to the approaching judgment. We read in verse 5 of chapter 15. After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the testimony of the witness in heaven was opened. The temple of the testimony of the witness. Now, what was the temple of witness? Well, it's probably where God remembers the death of the martyred tribulation saints. You remember that? All those people that are pictured in earlier chapters under the altar, and they have been martyred. And they're asking God, when is our life going to be avenged? Because our lives were taken wrongly, unfairly. We didn't do anything. We were living right, and we were killed for it. So I believe that's what's happening here, and that's the temple of witness. And it's worth noting, I think, for all of us, how personally and seriously God takes it when his children are mistreated. Didn't Jesus say, whoever does it to you does it to me? And inasmuch as you were either good or bad to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me, you know? There's going to be a day of reckoning for everybody who abused God's people. We know that from the book of Revelation. 
All right? John witnesses next the awesome arrival of the final seven angels carrying the seven plagues called the bold judgments. So here we go. Verse 6. And out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues clothed in pure bright linen and having their chests girded with golden bands. And these are elevated angels. Now all angels are elevated. That is, they are spirit beings who do the bidding of God. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that they come to minister to those who are going to be heirs of salvation. They are mighty, the least of them. But they do have a hierarchical, a hierarchical structure. There are some angels greater than others. We've got normal angels. We've got archangels. We've got cherubims, seraphims. There's different levels. I believe verse 6 is pointing out some higher level angels, elevated angels. They're clad in white and gold, both symbols of purity. They seem to pause in front of the temple. Verse 7, Then one of the four living creatures, remember them? Gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls. Now look what it says, folks. Full of the wrath of God, who lives forever and ever. We see also that the fifth bowl is followed by a strange cosmic darkness, possibly caused by dark clouds of interplanetary debris. We don't know what causes it. Could be totally supernatural, as when Jesus was hanging on the cross. It became dark as midnight at high noon. Could be that. Now the inhabitants of the earth begin to recognize this is the judgment of God. The kingdom of the Antichrist is coming apart at the seams. And, and what do they do? Once again, their stone-cold hearts refuse to repent. And instead of turning to God, they turn against Him. Verse 11, And they cursed the God of heaven for their pains and their sores. But they did not repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Everybody say, crazy. I mean, if I'm watching hell, and I know it's from God, and it's because of my sin, man, I am beating a fast track to the nearest altar, and I'm saying, God, forgive me. But no, and that's why I say, look at this. And then, is it hard to imagine why they're coming under judgment? I don't think there's anywhere in the Bible where the wicked heart of men is more prominently displayed than here. Maybe a few places, but not many. Aside from Pharaoh's refusal to repent during the many plagues during Moses, I don't know of any other example in the Bible. Now next, here comes bowl number 6, verse 12. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great Euphrates River, and it dried up so the kings from the east could march their armies towards the west without hindrance. Now we're coming to the War of Armageddon. The sixth bold judgment drives up the Euphrates River. Why does God do this? It tells us that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. We're headed towards the worst war mankind has ever witnessed, and it's the war that Christ will return to stop. God's going to make a way for the land armies of the vast eastern Asian continent to surge through the Middle East en route to the land of Israel and the valley of Megiddo, and the final battle of the Great Tribulation. The Chinese, they could easily amass an army of mega-millions of people. 
the kings of the east, the far east. The enemies of Israel will march against her for one last massive assault against the Jews at the end of the tribulation. The final battle of that great day of God Almighty, the Battle of Armageddon, is about to take place. Remember, the Euphrates River now, think about this, is 1,800 miles long. 1,800 miles. How long would it take you to drive that tonight? And 750 feet wide and 30 feet deep, yeah, God's going to dry it up. Just like he did the Red Sea. Just like he did the river when they crossed it, the Jordan going to the promised land. God seems to like to dry up water <laughs> to let his people, or, or for his purposes, right? With one sweep of God's mighty hand, this massive ancient river is going to dry up. Now how this happens is anybody's guess, but rest assured it's going to happen. It will happen. These kings of the east will no doubt include the hordes of China and India, which are beyond the river Euphrates to the east. And we cannot omit the Muslim nations of Pakistan, Afghanistan, Iran, and Iraq, who hate Israel. In this end-time scenario, God is bringing the forces of Satan across the dry riverbed to be utterly destroyed by none other than Jesus Christ at his return, who will be followed by his heavenly forces. Now get ready, including the redeemed church, you. Can you just pause and think about that? You say, come on, Jeff, where's that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Here we go. The prophet Zechariah predicted this event. Listen to what he said. Zechariah 14, verse 5. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. Now, doesn't stop there. Jude quotes the Old Testament saint Enoch who foresaw the same thing. And can I just insert here real quickly, he's not quoting from the book of Enoch. Jude did not quote from the book of Enoch. Book of Enoch is a bunch of gobbledygook. I can tell that matters greatly to you, but I thought I'd throw it out there anyway. For a lot of people, the book of Enoch is the thing you need to be reading. But the book of Enoch is not inspired. And people that love that book say, well, Jude quoted from it. No, he didn't. He quoted ancient Enoch himself. And here it is. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all. That's never happened. When did the Lord ever come, ever return to earth with ten thousands of his saints? Never. So all the way back to just seven descendants from Adam, Enoch saw the return of Christ and with him the redeemed. We're going to be in heaven. We're going to have gone to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to have received our rewards. And when Christ returns to earth, we come in with him. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, I don't know if I want to be involved in that. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Can you imagine? Jesus is coming back to stop the greatest war in all the world. Yes. And we're going to be right there watching him do it. Yes. Incredible. Oh, man. 
And we're going to be there when he installs his brand new kingdom. Oh my. There's so much in the Bible. We could be here for weeks and just teach that. All right. Now, I want you to notice in the next verse, we have a satanic trinity described by John. Verse 13, I saw three evil spirits, but that's not the satanic trinity I'm talking about. Three evil spirits that looked like frogs leap from the mouths of who? Read it with me. The dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. There's the satanic trinity. The devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet. That's the satanic trinity that will cast its spell on last day's planet earth. And look what happens. Three evil spirits jump on them and begin speaking through their mouth. Frogs were symbols of filth and dirt to the ancients. The frogs John sees are evil spirits energizing the unclean words of Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. So they're speaking to the world and they have a satanic demonic anointing. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment, but first I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program, but don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877-884-3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. And these evil spirits have a diabolical purpose. Verse 14, they are demonic spirits who work miracles and go out to all the rulers of the world to gather them for battle against the Lord on that great judgment day of God the Almighty. We're going to see as we come to the close of Revelation, when Christ returns in the sky and every eye shall see him and he'll return in the clouds. I'm telling you, listen to this, get this. This shows you how crazy the world will be. The combined forces of the Antichrist and everybody they're battling is going to look up and see him and join forces to fight him. That's insanity. First of all, if you see Christ up there, it's time to get right. But no, they're so crazy. They're so egomaniacal. They're so psychopathic. They're going to say, we can beat him, but he sees in the cloud. He's coming back, but oh no, we can beat God. You'll see it as we go through these last few weeks. So look what happens. These demonic spirits like frogs speaking through the satanic trinity perform supernatural, satanically inspired miracles through their hands, primarily through the hands of the false prophet who calls fire down out of heaven. So all miracles are not from God. Not everything that says I'm of God is of God. Because they are doing miracles that are supernatural at their base, but they're demonic. The Antichrist, the political ruler, the false prophet will be a religious leader. Yet God is in charge of it all. All of it. All of it. Zechariah says in chapter 14, verse 2, I will gather all the nations to fight against Jerusalem. That's the prediction God makes for Armageddon. Notice it says, it's God who gathers all the nations. 
He does this so he can reveal his glory when he intervenes on behalf of Israel. Now next we see in the midst of these final moments in history, God makes a final appeal to the end time believers to hang on. It will soon be over. Quote, look, I will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Blessed are all who are watching for me, who keep their clothing ready so they will not have to walk around naked and ashamed. That's verse 15. The clothing mentioned here refers to your personal walk with Christ. He's about to return, and they will want to be unashamed of his arrival. How many of you can sense something is up in our world? Come on, everybody. What we're looking at right now in our world, it's not normal. No, no, no. There are spiritual forces afoot, both bad and good, and the warfare happening in our world Christ with the devil, good with bad, right with wrong, righteousness with wickedness, the angels of God against the demons. It is at a high level of red-hot heat. And if there was ever a time to get up and get with God and put on that garment of praise and those clothes of His righteousness, and I mean every day, it's now. Can I have an amen? Amen. So let's keep on going. We're doing great on time. Revelation 16, verse 16. Here comes the seventh bowl. Oh my, everybody say, oh me. Oh me. Here we go. As if there, is there anything left? Well, there must be because we got one more bowl. Verse 16, the demonic spirits gathered all the rulers and their armies to a place with the Hebrew name Armageddon. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. And a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, say it with me. It is finished. Now with this final bowl, the thumos, that's the Greek word for God's wrath, and it means hot fury. I'm just telling you what the Greek word means. Hot fury. Thumos is complete. Startling signs immediately follow the pouring out of this final bowl. Quote, verse 18, Then the thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed, and a great earthquake struck. The worst since people were placed on the earth. So the mother of all earthquakes strikes with the seventh bowl. Think about this a moment. Of all the horrific earthquakes, and there have been horrible earthquakes, but this one is going to eclipse them all. It won't even be measurable on the Richter scale. It rips Jerusalem into three parts, and it impacts the entire world. Verse 19, now the great city was divided, how? By the earthquake into three parts. And the cities of the nations fell. Look what happened. The cities of all the nations fell. And great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the winds of the fierceness of his wrath. Now I'm dealing with Babylon in chapter 17 and 18. So just hang on. We're going to be talking way more about that in the next two chapters. But this earthquake will cause cities all over the world to crumble like a house of cards. And suddenly, here comes Babylon jumping back into the picture. Great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. God's description of the effects of this mammoth earthquake continues. Verse 20, every island disappeared. Wow! Every island disappeared. Tsunamis? Yeah. Any earthquake of this magnitude is also going to be a tsunami. 
caused tsunamis. Every island disappeared. All the mountains were leveled. This earthquake, possibly the consequence of a nuclear blast, I don't know. I have no idea. But I do know it's going to happen. It decimates the islands of the sea, perhaps through multiple tsunamis, like we already said. And this awesome quake brings all mountains down. John observes something next that is incredible. Verse 21, And great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about the weight of a talent. Now what is that? What's a talent? Are you ready? A talent weighs 100 pounds. Now I'm just reading the Bible to you. So Jeff, maybe it's not literal. If it weren't literal, it would give us signals it's not literal. Do you know that every time Jesus quoted the Bible, Jesus was taking it literally? Have you ever thought about that? When he talked about Adam and Eve, he was saying the story of Adam and Eve is literally true. When he talked about Noah, he talked of Noah as a literal human on earth. When he talked about Lot, same thing. When he talked about Jonah being swallowed by the great fish, he talked about it as if the account were literal. Now I'm getting into what we call hermeneutics, which is the sort of the science of interpretation or how you interpret the Bible. And you know what? Unless it tells us it's not literal, you take it literally. We are literalists around here. Unless the Bible tells me it's a symbol. And here, the Bible doesn't tell me that. Y'all are so quiet tonight, you're making me nervous. <laughs> I hear the wheels rolling. All right. So let's read about it. So here comes hail weighing 100 pounds apiece. Think of it. A 100-pound piece of hail would be the size of a basketball. This seems impossible, but you know what? History tells us in the aftermath of World War II, atomic devices were set off, causing the ocean waters to rise 30 to 60,000 feet when those bombs were exploded. And when the boiling water began to fall, it created hail the size of basketballs. Let God be true, and every man a liar. Right on. Yeah. I'll never forget. I was, had a men's conference years ago. I had a men's conference at East Texas. And a bunch of our men had gone off to a retreat, and we were going to have a weekend, uh, you know, hoo, 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 you know. And I remember Friday night, I was teaching. We had worship. We were having a great time. And everybody's phones started going off. All these men, and I could hear their wives, literally hear them on the other end, screaming. And it was the night, the Friday night, that that horrible hailstorm hit Fort Worth, that knocked people to the ground, that shattered car windshields, that decimated the Botanic Gardens. There was nothing left in the Botanic Gardens to see. It was unbelievable. People died. But those hailstones were about like softballs. But here we got basketball size. The hail that fell when they blew up the bomb was so huge and deadly that it damaged the ships placed in the lagoons and it dented the ship's armor. And that was World War II. Could it be? That's what John is describing? We don't know. So now we're at the close. Everybody say, Hallelujah. <laughs> the 21 horrific tribulation judgments we've explored are punitive. They're not rehabilitative. Mankind at this point shows no interest in changing his ways or repenting. 
John yet again points out an unrepentant mankind continuing to shake its fist at God. So verse 21, and we'll close. Men, here's what it says. Again, three times in one chapter, men blaspheme God because of the plague of the hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. So while the seal, trumpet, and bold judgments are complete, we're about to meet next time two mysterious characters introduced in chapter 17. And solving their riddle is going to be a real eye-opener. Thanks for tuning in today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 877-884-3111. You can also connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. It's no secret that our country has had some extreme challenges over the last year or two. People have been going through depression, isolation, emotional pains, disillusionment, and more, and are looking for something to grab a hold of for security. Well, the answer is not in something, it's someone, Jesus Christ. And that's what this program is all about. So here's how you can help us get this message out. Being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. And we believe that these messages with Pastor Jeff are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. 877-884-3111 or go to hardwired.org. Thank you for your very generous gifts. God bless, and thanks for listening to Hardwired.